So today's reading is taken from Galatians 4, verses 1 to 20. That's Galatians 4, verses 1 to 20, and you can find that in the Pew Bible on page 1170. So 1170. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you, have, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, do keep that open. Thanks for reading, Boko. And uh, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we long that your wonderful word that we've read on the page would be real and that you would speak it into our lives. Give us the help of your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we might hear your word for us individually and us as a congregation. For your glory's sake. Amen. You ever been in life at some stage where you felt you've really got no choices? Um, You're in a situation or a stage where you just think, I've got to keep my head down and do what I'm told. Lots of uh, children and teenagers uh, at least feel like that uh, when they're growing up. They complain that they do. You may work somewhere like that. You're just not involved in any decisions. You have to just obey orders and 
you know, get on with it. Well, in the ancient world, uh, there was a whole category of people um, who had that in spades, slaves. People with zero freedom, having to do what they were told, like it or not. And our Bible reading starts at that point. It starts by describing what it was like to be Jewish uh, under the law. An heir of all God's promises, and yet... Well, let's read it. Verse 1, as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees. It's using that language to talk about relationship with God and how it feels and uh, using it to describe uh, being an Old Testament uh, Jew. So, what about us as we start, as we think this morning about this relationship with God? How does... How the dynamics work for us. How would you think about and describe your relationship with God? Do you, if you talk about it, talk about uh, freedom, uh, talk about joy, talk about adventure? Is that your relationship with God? Is that how you feel about it? Or is it more like old school Israel that you just feel, well, you know, I've got to do what I told. You know, you just, I just, I don't have any decisions to make. I've just got, to, just got to get on with it, do my duty, because it's the right thing, or because I was brought up that way, or because I'm supposed to. If that's how it feels for you to relate to God, you're, you're not alone by any means. And uh, this morning what we're looking at is, is such good news. That's exactly how the Jewish people felt for hundreds of years as they came under the Old Testament law. That's what verses 1 to 3 are saying. They were God's people, his children, his heirs. But their experience was they just had to do what they were told, like slaves do, living under the law. Now if that sounds bad, the alternative was much worse. Uh, Jesus um, describes it doesn't he he says whoever sins is a slave to sin and the way that works i think in our lives is that um something comes along we're tempted we think oh yeah you know i'm gonna i know i shouldn't but i will and we choose to sin but then we find that once we start sinning we keep on sinning and we keep on sinning and we can't choose anymore and we can't stop and we end up enslaved to a cycle of whatever it is in our lives and in our society we see it don't we it's addiction it's it's destructive habits in our lives it's feeling that no matter how hard I I try I just can't change I just can't change Uh, and I guess we all know that in some measure verse 8 takes us deeper to the spiritual dimension of it slaves to those who by nature are not gods for the people back then in Galatia, that was uh, literally physically worshipping idols. They would go to the temples, they would have rituals, they'd keep festivals. In our culture, though, there aren't visible idols, but people talk, don't they, about being slaves to fashion. They just have to have the latest thing, the latest look. People talk about slaving away at work to get promoted. But then once they climb the ladder, they can't stop working. The Bible assumes that all of us, outside of God's purposes, will experience slavery. Slavery under the law, trying to do the right thing, slavery to sin, slavery to idols, ancient and modern. 
And that's why the message of Jesus is such good news. We'll see it again today. That Jesus sets us free to be God's children. Look down with me, would you, to Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. This is the transition, having talked about being no different from a slave, even though they were God's, uh, God's uh, people, the Israelites. He, he brings Israelites and non-Israelites together and says, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter. And since you're a son, God's also made you an heir. Verse 6, going back one, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Daddy. God doesn't want you or me to be a slave, just doing, doing what we're supposed to do because he says so. He wants you and me to be sons, daughters, heirs with Jesus Christ, part of his family. He gives us his Holy Spirit his own personal presence in our lives. The Spirit who calls out to the Father as he's always called out to the Father from all eternity, Daddy. The Spirit who loves the Father and who reflects the Father's love in his, in his presence and who stirs us to pray and assures us that we belong. That's the experience God wants you and me and all of us to have through Jesus Christ. Because of the uh, world champs at the moment, uh, there's uh, all sorts of interviews on the BBC website and there's an interview there with Hussein Bolt's parents. Uh, They were asked, among other things, um, a really daft question, are you proud of Hussein? That's a totally daft question, isn't it? And of course they both said that they they were. But what I found really interesting is the way that his mum, Jennifer, spoke not only about his running, but just the way he is with people. The father, he will talk to anyone and just kind of value them. And she's so proud of him, not just that he's, well, he didn't do so well last night. I mean, still pretty good. I can't run under 10 seconds, can anyone else? Um, but, but not only his athletics, his running, which has been amazing, but just the way he is. And she's so proud of him that he's doing well in life in general. It was great seeing that. Well, okay, if God is heavenly father... How about you and God? How about me and God? Well, as we do well, we delight him. He's he's pleased. He's he's really pleased when we're doing well. We're his family. And that's what Jesus has freed us to be and become. Freed from slavery to sin and idolatry freed from slavery under the Lord. We don't just have to do what we're told anymore. We're like like those children, I mean, some children do, and they they grow up to become friends with their parents. They kind of get beyond being little children to being children who value their parents, who enjoy spending time with their parents, enjoy their company, uh, share something of their values and perspective on the world. They learn from them. And, And that's kind of how we're called to be, God's friends, God's children who share his values and make choices to bring him delight. That's the vision. That's the call on your life from God in Jesus Christ and on mine. Two points follow on from that. 
uh, two sort of action points based on what God has done. One's negative, something to avoid, and that's verses 8 to 11, that avoid adding religion to Jesus. Uh, One's positive, verses 12 to 20, be zealous to grow like Jesus. Let's look at the one to avoid, first of all. Avoid adding religion to Jesus. Um, So if we look down to verse 8 again, uh, that takes us to life for the Galatians before they knew Jesus. They were spiritual, but they didn't know God. Uh, Verse 9, they were under weak and miserable principles. So if you look back uh, from verse 9 to verse 3, you'll see the same idea there, uh, the same word actually in the original, where it talks about the basic principles of this world. It's referring to the way the world does things in general and to the spirit realm. The unseen world, part of the world, where spirits are working behind the scenes. So it's talking about what's normal in our culture when it comes to spirituality. And it's saying that in our culture, they're in the spirit realm, and not just positive forces at work, not just the Holy Spirit, but there are evil spirits whose purpose is to keep people from God. That's their primary purpose. They don't really mind how they do it. They don't want to turn everyone into sort of, you know, something out of some horror movie. That's not, that's not how they do their work. But what they do is they try and lock people into cycles of meditation or of alternative spirituality that keeps them from the true and living God. That's their activity. It's the basic principles of this world that enslaves us into a cycle of sin and idolatry, replacing God with something else. And that's what the Galatians have been set free from wonderfully. So, verse 9, says Paul, don't go back. Don't go back to that. And yet they were, verse 10. You were observing special days and months and seasons and years, he says, just like you used to in paganism. What's going on? Now, if you've been following um, Galatians so far, you can imagine them pushing back at this point because they think they're doing the right thing because these teachers have come along and told them that they've got to do it. You can imagine them pushing back and saying, hang on a minute, Paul, we're not becoming pagans again. We're not going up to the pagan temple. We're following the Old Testament law like these teachers told us to and it's what Jews have been doing for thousands of years. What's wrong with that? Paul, what he says here is so radical. He's saying that now that Jesus has come and fulfilled the Old Testament law, going back to it is no different from going back to paganism. They used to follow pagan rituals, now they're following Jewish rituals. Verse 9, that is turning back to weak and miserable principles. It's the same. Now, I hope that that is a massive surprise to someone in the room. Because if you haven't heard that before, it should be. It's earth-shattering to talk about Old Testament law-keeping, which was what God gave to his people for that whole season of their lives, as the same as paganism. Certainly in the first century, that was earth-shattering. But that's the case, because the Messiah's come now, and it's all different. So if you imagine a, a rocket being blasted into orbit... Um, at the top, you've got whatever they want to orbit. Um, 
the planet and um, you've got, I know what, it's a new mobile phone sort of satellite so we can all sort of chat to each other more. And that's at the top, the payload. But you've got all these stages of the rocket beforehand, haven't you, that uh, all have an important role to play to blast it up into space. But then once they've done their job, they fall away, leaving the payload to, to go off and to start orbiting the planets. So we're not saying that there isn't a rich cultural heritage in Judaism, because often there is. I'm usually very impressed when I meet Jewish people. Uh, the depth of, of culture, of, of, of family values, of a real kind of wisdom and learning that they express. But Judaism as a religion, living under the law, is like the booster rocket. It served its purpose... And it's now obsolete. It, it falls away. It's not what God wants for people anymore. And therefore, to try to live under the law now is to kind of try and rebuild it all. It's, it's human religion. It's no different from paganism. The basic principles of how this world does religion when it does it without listening to God. And you see, in Christ, we're free from that. God wants you and I to be free from that law-keeping way of living. So we must avoid adding religion to Jesus. If even the very best kind of religion, the one that God gave to the Old Testament Israelites for that season of their lives, if, if Paul's saying, well, don't add that, well, there is no other kind of religion that we want to add to Jesus. Take, for example, take, take an example, Sabbath law. Okay? What does the Old Testament say, say about Sabbath? It says, keep Saturday special. Sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, keep it special. It's said over and over again through the Old Testament. It's very important. God will bless you if you keep the Sabbath. But Jesus has fulfilled the law. It's the boost rocket. It's, it's served its purpose. And what that means is you're now free from the requirement to keep Saturday special if you're going to please God. You, you don't need to have sundown on Friday to Sunday down on Saturday with no work and no activity because Jesus has already fulfilled the requirement of Sabbath law to get you right with God. But of course, there's wisdom there, isn't there? There's principle there. There's, well, why did God give the Sabbath law in the first place? It wasn't just a random rule. Of course, those who know Christ will take time to rest from their work because they know that there's more to life than work. Of course, those who know Christ will take time to remember God and to enjoy our relationship with him rather than just assume it. And I personally would highly recommend you doing that at the same time as other Christians. So being part of a church on Sunday morning is a good way to do that. But do you see there's a difference? It's not that if you, know, if you work on a Saturday, if you miss church on a Sunday because there's something that you, you must do, it's not that suddenly, oh no, I've broken the rules and God won't be pleased with me anymore. Because it's through Christ that we're free to know God. And so we must avoid adding religion to Jesus because if we do, it'll rob us of our freedom, it'll rob us of joy. It will try and take us back into routines that will, will, will lock us into a pattern of life that keeps us from God. Now, um, we're having to concentrate quite hard this morning, let's keep doing that. 
because this is very good news for those of us who have a religious disposition. Some people have a religious disposition. They're brought up with routine, with structure, and they, they personally, they find that very comforting. And if that's you, and I guess there will be some here today, then it's very good news. God doesn't want you as a slave just keeping the rules. He wants you as a daughter or a son, as a member of his family. Our faith is not that if we do the right rituals, we do the right ceremony, if we do communion and candles and clergy in the right way, then we'll be all right. Our faith is that Christ makes us right with God and we're free in all these things. It's also very good news for people who aren't here this morning, who are allergic to religion in any way, shape or form. Because the call to follow Jesus is not a call to become religious. It's a call rather to come back into God's family, our maker who is our father, and to find an identity there that we were always meant to know, to become fully human in the way that God intends. So action point one, avoid adding religion to Jesus. Action point two, positively this time, verses 12 to 20, zealously seek to grow like Jesus. You see, the Galatian Christians were, were really exposed to zealous people. They first of all met Paul. <laughs> and then they had this, all this hoo-ha of these new teachers coming in. They were following the Jewish law and it was putting a real strain, if you look down to verse 15, on their relationship with Paul. What's happened to all your joy, he says. It, we, used, we used to be on brilliant terms and now it's really strained. He, he'd gone to them with an illness, it seems, when he went to them and... Possibly something to do with his eyes from verse 15, because it says that they would have torn out their eyes and given them to him if they could, if that would have helped. They used to have this great affection. But verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And then we get to these people being described, verse 17, they're zealous to win you over. And Paul picks up on this. Um, it's fine, verse 18, to be zealous, providing the good purpose is good. So where should we be channeling our energies? What should we be zealous for? Verse 19, my little children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul's zeal was that these young Christians should grow in Christ, or rather, in fact, that Christ should grow in them. Do you see that? It's quite a picture. And we'll look more about that in next week in chapter 5, the way the Holy Spirit grows the fruit of Christ-likeness in our lives. But this week, let's see that that's what we should have a zeal and passion for. We should have a zeal and a passion that Christ, his character, his values should be formed in us, in our lives, that we should be more like him. And we as a church should be more like him. I've got a long way to go, I know. But that should be our goal, our passion. In our culture, I think the people who sort of do zeal and get respect for it are sports people. Um, they're the ones who have the focus, the drive, the commitment, and we respect them for that, don't we? Uh, I looked at another interview on the BBC website, a, a lady called uh, Dina Asher-Smith. Um, she's one of the sprinters. And uh, earlier this year, she broke her foot. She was doing a training and she was doing jumps or some kind and she caught a bench and bang and broke a foot. And they said to her that, well, you know, you could let it heal naturally and you just have to take a season out uh, uh, as it recovers. 
Um, but she went for the operation and she described it like this. It says, I've now got two little metal friends in there. Yes, it was difficult and it was tough, especially as I was trying to finish my third year of uni at the same time. But I just thought there's no way I could let there be an event in the Olympic Stadium and let that pass me by. So I worked really, really hard to make that a possibility and I'm grateful to be here. That's an example of zeal. Zeal to be the best you can be at the sport that she's good at, which is sprinting. Well, how about you and me? The kids are coming back in to join us, but let's focus and just conclude this for ourselves. Let's ask, what, what has God particularly given me this morning? Have we got this focus to be zealous for Jesus? Have we got that as our goal? A dream for ourselves, a dream for others here at church. When we meet, do I come thinking, oh, I'm here to do my duty? Or do I come thinking, I'm here to get my needs met. Come on, meet my needs. Or do I come thinking, Lord, I need to know you better. Everyone else does as well. Please, Lord, would you form Christ in us? I mean, that's not a natural form of words for us. But please, Lord, would you fill us up? Please, Lord, would you make us like yourself? Please, Lord, would you grow us? Would you form Christ-likeness amongst us today? Jesus frees us to be God's children. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., we are free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. So let's avoid adding religion to Jesus and instead let's be zealous to grow more like him. Amen.